Hello, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live. Today's guest is uh, David Friedman. And David's been a guest of mine and talked about so many things, and he's always got something new to talk about. David, I'd like to introduce you right off and ask you just to say the name of your new book, because we're kind of going to focus on that philosophy. My new book is based on my song of the same title. It's called Help is on the Way from Places You Don't Know About Today. Okay. And I'm going to just hold, I have it bookmarked with Kleenex. If you can see anything so oh, tacky. It was the closest thing at hand. But here, oh. <laughs> always here. It's always around. Sorry, folks. It, it, anyway, <laughs> David, may I just catch people up a little bit? Because I know we don't want to necessarily go over, spend time going over old ground. But when you talk about help being on the way, you know something about help being on the way. And I would just like to mention, if I may, because you've talked about it, that you overcame a really debilitating uh, agoraphobia. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because overcome is not exactly the right word because okay. you overcome things is you have them. So in other words, uh, I might still, my body might go and my heart might pound, but I go, okay, there's a wonderful story. My friend Lucy Arnaz uh, was uh, giving me a Lifetime Achievement Award. And we were both backstage pacing the floor nervously because she was having to, you know, rave about me and I was having to accept this award and sing and stuff. And I do something called Thought Exchange where yes. you experience your sensations. So Lucy said to me, all right, stop. What are my sensations? She said, my throat is tight, my stomach is churning, and my hands are shaking. And just as she said that, the announcer said, ladies and gentlemen, won't you welcome to the stage the one, the only, the fabulous Miss Lucy Arnaz. And she looked at me and touched her neck, touched her stomach, looked at her hands and said, I can go out there with that and walked out. So it's not a matter of getting rid of it. It's a matter of encompassing whatever trauma that represents and being with it. So when people say, calm down, relax, take oh, the worst. Yeah. I go, no, be with it and stand there and shake or feel uh, because it's not the sensations. It's what our mind makes up about them. Okay. So in, in regard to that, I do remember asking you, because I was amazed, given given that you, after a certain amount of time, I remember you said your, your first day out was your father took you across the first floor of Macy's. And you Actually, made I told him, I said, drop me off at 34th Street Christmas Eve. It was right. the busiest shopping day. I said, leave me at 6th Avenue. And pick me up at seven. And I, well, I thought you, oh, you did it alone. I did it alone. Wow. And okay. Shaking and the floor was going up and down. And oh. I just went walk, walk, walk. So my question to you at that point, and I, 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 I always, I remember everything you've ever said to me. So, but this is just a small piece. And I said, I'm a little confused. How did you go about, how did you go from being so terrified of being in a in a crowd in a big place that you 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 couldn't do it you couldn't couldn't do it 
How did you go from that to being a very successful Broadway conductor where you are standing and you said uh, something like, you know, I taped a note to the saying you were so huh? dumb. I taped a note saying so die. Oh, that yes. Macy's said, I lived. I felt all this, but I lived. And so stand on the podium and you have these sensations. It's your mind that's saying, yes. I'm going to drop dead. Or if I have this, what am I? <laughs> and so you have to go, this is the sensation. This is the story I'm making up about it. I remember years ago in Thought Exchange, one woman said, oh, I have a pain in my stomach. I said, where? She said, right here. I said, you have a pain in your stomach right here? Oh, no. She said, what? I said, that means you're never going to have a boyfriend. <laughs> but our mind does that. It, 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 yes, uh, our mind does odd things. And and then sometimes you have to do reality checks. But let's let's get to this. So you want to talk just briefly about the song first. Okay. Oh, let me just mention to everybody that you are also a very uh, well-known and successful composer. That's okay. really what I, that's my main thing. Yes, <laughs> I know it is. But that conductor, of course, impresses. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, so Nancy Lamott, this extraordinary singer who was arguably one of the greatest uh, proponents of the American classical songbook of the 20th century, I produced her CDs. And she called me one day and said, could you write me a, a new closing number? I'm getting tired of my number. So I said, what do you want to sing about? And she said, I want to sing about uh, how something that sends people out with joy and with hope and with you know a positive attitude so the idea help us on the way from places you don't know about today came to me that we don't necessarily know how things are going to happen almost everything that ever happened in my life like big breaks happened out of the blue and so i started writing got the chorus and then i got stuck and i said all right if i'm writing this or if this is writing me which is the way i look at it uh let me put my money where my mouth is and uh go out and assume it's going to come to me so i went to a party and i had a lot of conversations with people about what was troubling them and what they were working on and what they were going through and so when i got home i sat down and each line of the song I thought of a particular person who I knew or who I'd heard about and what they might need in particular to hear. Whether it's, you don't have to know where the path you're on is leading, you just have to walk along. Open your heart, open your mind. Just believe each step you take is leading you to something good. Uh, life has its own ideas of how things come about, hang in there. And I wrote the song. And so a few years ago, I had another song, uh, which was We Can Be Kind, and I made that into a book because I had met a publisher at dinner at your house who asked me about another book I was working on. And when that book got delayed, this idea came up to take that song, We Can Be Kind, and take the title of each chapter and write essays and stories and things I had experienced and people had told me. So I took help us on the way during the pandemic when like no one knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. And the object of this book is not me telling you what to do. 
It's stories that put you in the mindset to say, oh, that could happen. Oh, all was lost and this thing came from out of the blue. And so it's all stories that you can refer to and that I refer to in my own life to remind me that, oh, I'm never gonna work again. Well, wait a minute, I've been there about 12 times and I've <laughs> maybe that'll happen this time or, you know, this is impossible and then it happened or some phone call came out of, you know, nowhere. And so the book is to keep my dream is everybody has it in their bathroom or by their bedside. And you just pick it up when you need a story. Well, I have, I, I do have a question about all this. You know, I, I've gone through this book and the, the stories are just wonderful. And I'm calling them stories. I should say the realities are wonderful. Yeah. Yes, really. Yes. And, um, I, I, I'm guessing you can say what you think. I'd like you to. You have to be in a frame of mind or insightful enough or clever enough to know when help has come at you from somewhere. I think people sometimes ignore the obvious signs and go ahead. What do you say to that? Well, this is the thing. You see, uh, the whole premise of my thought exchange work is that we stay away from certain positive thoughts because they become associated with painful things. So if you were a kid and you said, I can do this, and someone slapped you across the face oh. and said, no, you can't, then you quickly learn that that thought, I can do this, gets you a slap. So you learn to go right to what I call the protective thought, which is I can't do this. Now then when you go to, I can do this, you're gonna feel this discomfort. So positive thoughts come with discomfort. I tell people when they say, I wanna be famous, I wanna be successful. I say, great, are you willing to be that uncomfortable? You know, Barbara Streisand is not comfortable. Oprah Winfrey is not comfortable. They, they are with that. So often we say we want to have a breakthrough, but the breakthrough puts us back into the original trauma, our protection, our, we're right back in front of our parents saying, I can do this, except we're not in front of our parent, but our body doesn't know that. Right. Yes. So, we often, yes, don't recognize it or or can't take it in because mm -hmm. it feels too dangerous. Well, let me let me ask you about a couple of things because I happen, you know, people talk sometimes about sound bites as if it's a negative thing. I happen to love sound bites. I patience isn't my greatest virtue. And so I like two sentence lessons. And there are a couple in here, if I may. Sure. That I thought was this was just charming by Christine Kane, uh -huh. I don't know who that is, but sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but actually you've been planted. I like that. And you know, go ahead, go ahead, read me the other one. And, and the other, I mean, I like them all, but uh, we must be willing to let go of the life we planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us, Joseph Campbell. And you know, so often it's true, we don't know what is waiting for us. We never do. 
Oh. The ceiling could cave in right now. One of my favorite things that I love to say when someone says, I have finally decided to give up control, I go, you had it? <laughs> oh, yes. I saw a wonderful <laughs> slide once that said something akin to that. And I just loved it. And there's a big sign somewhere. I don't remember where I saw it. It says, uh, don't worry. No one's in charge. Yeah, 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 great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you see, the thing about it is when you say those sound bites, uh, everything, there's a line in the song that says, just believe each step you take is leading you to something good. So uh, there's a wonderful story in there, and it's a famous Buddhist parable. And it's about a poor farmer who said, who's sitting there one day and a beautiful horse shows up out of nowhere. And the farmer says, how wonderful that, that horse showed up. I needed a horse. And the wise Buddhist says, maybe yes, maybe no. The next day, his son is riding that horse oh. and falls off and breaks his leg. And the farmer says, how terrible that that horse came so my son should ride the horse and break his leg. And the Buddha says, maybe yes, maybe no. The next day, the army conscription officer comes and drafts everyone in the village, but does not draft his son because he has a broken leg because he fell off the horse. So any event can be on the way to whatever your thought is. And so what this those sayings are saying is no event intrinsically means anything i mean i could say on the way to becoming a millionaire i lost all my money three mm -hmm. times mm -hmm. so and someone else could say on the way to being terribly poor i mean you know, when someone says i want to be uh um uh, you know rich and famous and i say well are you willing to be severely molested and impoverished as a child and then be criticized all the time for your weight in public? Because if you're oh. not, you're not willing to be Oprah Winfrey. Right. right. And so people take these things and use them one way or another. And at any point, you can't change the event, but you can stop and say, all right, this is happening. Like the last few days, I've had several things that were very disturbing in different ways. And I went, oh my God. And I went, wait a minute. These are putting me back in original mm -hmm. places so that I can feel what I didn't feel then. Well, you know, there's also something that it seems to me you're kind of touching on, which is not viewing yourself in any way whatsoever as the center of the universe. I mean, that gets back to being in charge. I tend to micromanage sometimes. I got a Roomba, you know, those those robots that vacuum your house? You push it around you. <laughs> I what? You push it around where yes, you want. Yes, I micromanage my Roomba, I realized. And, you know, I give it a little kick if I wanted it to go in a different direction. I mean, I'm just, and I realized I'm insane. At some point, you've got to let go. But I want to ask you if you would tell a story, because mm -hmm. there is a story in here, and I'm gathering it's about you. Is is this story, Don't Give Up the Ship, about you and college intuition? Uh, tell me more about the story. What, what is it uh, started? I'll tell you. Well, it starts off when my father got out of the Army after World War II, his first job. Yeah. Oh, that is my father. Okay, yeah, will you tell that story about, about your family and 
how there was he was something like what five hundred thousand dollars in debt and he had nine hundred well, tell it. my father got out of college he was a chemical engineer he got a job as a bottle washer at a uh paint company and over the years he worked his way up to vice president but he realized it was a family-owned business and he'd never be president so he decided to buy his own business. And he borrowed money from his mother-in-law, from the relatives, from everybody. And they all gave it to him. They all, my grandmother who had no money went to her sock drawer and had $10,000 hidden and gave it him. And he started this business. And you know, it was a paint and varnish company, a lot of chemicals, a lot of stuff like that. And he took a salary cut and he worked and he was building up the business. And one day at three in the morning, he got a call that the business had burned to the ground. There were oh. kids playing with matches and it was flammable stuff. And his secretary at the time came in for six weeks without pay. Her husband was a police lieutenant. He took off. They came in, they helped him rebuild. And then twice more, it burned down. And so he was borrowing money from the SBA, uh, no, he was borrowing money. He tried to get an SBA loan and the day it was supposed to come through, his the bank officer died and the whole oh thing. Goodness. And he then finally borrowed a lot of money. And on the day I went to college, my older brother was going to his freshman, his first year graduate school at MIT. And I was going to New England Conservatory both expensive schools. We each had some measure of scholarships, but not the whole thing. And my father had $900 in the bank and was $500,000 in personal debt. Because of tuition and business and everything. Because of the business losses. He just owed this to the business. Yeah. Put us both through college. How did he do that? I don't know. But years later, he paid off the debts, sold the business for seven figures. And he said, I was standing on the roof, looking at the rebuilt business, check in hand, thinking, how did this happen? And the only thing I could think of was, I always saw it. I always what? Saw it. He always had seen that this was gonna happen. Oh, okay. I wonder if that's what you mean. Uh -huh. He envisioned it. He, he said, this was always the picture in my mind. And here I am in the picture. And I don't even know quite how that came about. It, this came in from here. I paid that back. This business started. And so, and a friend of mine asked him, how did you deal with all that? And he said, look, I was in World War II. I was in a trench being shot at. No one was shooting at me. I had my family. We had our life. It was just stuff. And he held the vision in the face of, because, you know, they say the world is a mirror, but that doesn't mean you're creating the world. It means when you look at the world, you see your thought. You see, like, I was at a dinner party and this woman was going through a horrible divorce. And she said, my husband has taken everything. I'm destitute. I have nothing. I don't know how I'm going to survive. The only thing he's left me is the apartment. I have to sell it to survive. 
and someone asked, what are you asking for the apartment? She said, oh, $7,750,000. But she looked at $7 million and saw destitute. Doesn't matter what the money is. She's destitute because life happens in our experience not out there. And book works on, don't work on the event, work on what thought am I holding that I'm seeing the event this way and what possibilities am I either opening or limiting by that thought? So, you know, I, I had a friend years ago and he was um, a very well-to-do man and he had a lot of money in the stock market and he, we had gone through some recession and he was, I, I mean, I'm just saying, let's say he started with $2 million in the stock market. It had grown to 4 million and because of just bad times, he lost a million off of yeah. the four and he was beside himself. He was hysterical and he was thinking of himself as ready for the poorhouse. Oh, and listen. I said, I, I said oh. you're, you're absolutely insane. First of all, you never had that extra money. It was just on somebody's piece of paper and you're still, it didn't, uh, how do people do? Yes. I was, I was raising money for a project called King Island Christmas and it was an Alaskan project. And someone said, well, I could introduce you to the guy who owns all the banks in Alaska, but he's had a horrible year and he's dipped below a billion dollars. So he's just, I don't think he'd be up for giving me. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was. I, I learned a very wonderful lesson from my mother quite accidentally. I mean, okay, help was on the way. Yeah. And she was at a, a, a dinner party. Maybe it was at our house anyway. And there was somebody there who owned, I forget what, but something in, it wasn't, it wasn't Walt Disney, but it was something huge yeah. and complaining, complaining that he owed the government $8 million in taxes. And he was so bitter about it. And my mother looked at him and said, oh, I wish I owed the government $8 million in taxes. Yep. Yeah. Huh? My father did something similar. I, one year I... I owed $64,000 in taxes. I was so upset. And he said, David, how much did you make? Uh -huh. Oh, $64,000. Just let's take a look at Right. That. And you know, I remember when I did my first Broadway show, it was not a hit, but it ran six months and it was kept going. And I was going to the closing night party. It was closing with my, pa my father. And I said, I'm so depressed my Broadway show is closing. And he said, let me ask you, if I said to you last year, David, you're gonna spend six months conducting on Broadway, uh -huh. what would you have said? I said, I would have been thrilled. He said, you just did. Uh -huh. You know, what? I'll tell you, I must say, one of the best things I ever saw on Broadway was a little off-Broadway was your production. Desperate Measures. I oh, know we love Desperate that, Measures. That was so brilliant. Everything about it. I mean, I'm still smiling. And it was what, like six years ago? I wish it would come to San Francisco. No, it was just two years ago. And, you know, we had like 14 productions. And of course, the pandemic closed them down. Well, fact, I saw it way before that. I saw it when you first, yeah, it doesn't matter. It was 2018. 2018. It ran. Okay. And then the pandemic, I was on my way to Honolulu. I was in Los Angeles. Uh huh. See the Honolulu production, and it 
didn't happen. And it's still sitting in the theater, the set, waiting for them to oh. reopen. But we'd love to do it in San Francisco. Oh, it was it was so much fun and so brilliant and everybody in it. Okay, I'd love to see it again. You know me, I'm about love letters. And if you were to write one right now, to whom would it be, given all this? You know what? What? This sounds very strange, but I would write one to myself. Oh, good saying, David, from that higher self that knows that help is on the way and say, David, you know, uh, calm down and let go and trust. And this is the way you got through the pandemic. The minute the pandemic hit, I said, all right, I'm helpless here. Open your mouth like a baby bird and see what the universe gives you. And now as I get back into not knowing what I'm doing, like so many people, I just say, receive, open. So I would say from my higher self, David, calm down. Remember, you can choose what to focus on. Remember the stuff that happened where it worked out. Remember, what life is really about, which is connection and kindness. Okay, so I, I have one little thing to mention. Yeah. You're saying that I would say. Yeah. I hope you'll change that to I will say and actually do it and address it. Put it in an envelope, stamp it, address it to yourself, mm. mail it. And when yeah. you get it in the mail, you know, it's not at all strange. I encourage this a lot, like in workshops and because, yeah. first of all, you're part of, several important historical areas you know music entertainment self-help and spirituality and i i think people find that the you who wrote it and the you who's going to read it are two different people absolutely, and, absolutely. oh good. okay i'm glad you can see that absolutely. and then, and then when, when you get this letter mm -hmm. have a good time and then slip it in a book put it somewhere in your treasure box Somebody will find it in 50 years. Oh, great idea. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you when for doing this with me. I love doing this with you. It's I love having I love having conversations with you. Thank you, dear. We'll talk That's again different. soon. And let's just say that, you know, you, for people who are listening here, you only got one story and a couple of thoughts out of the book. For the rest of it, it's such an easy, lovely thing to read. And when I say easy, it just it just makes sense. It's easy in that way. So here you go. And I'm, you know, you can get it on, well, I, I you can get anything on Amazon, but I don't know if you can get it at, at other bookstores. You can get it at all bookstores, Amazon, everywhere. Okay. And if you go into a bookstore that you like and they don't have it, they can order it. That's right. They can. Okay. Thank you, dear. Thank you, Janet. Wonderful talking to you. Love to you. I'll, I'll talk to you later. And uh I, you know, I will, I will hope that one of these days we can actually sit down like we always used to over dinner together. You in New York or me out there? I'm, I'm already thinking about coming out there to speak. So. Oh, good. Okay, I'll be the first to know, or I'll be the third to know. It doesn't matter. Very Just close. So I know. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.